Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Amen. Thank you so much for your giving today. Uh, Again, we're honored that you are here and chosen to worship with us here at Bethesda Church. We kicked off a brand new series last week called Fearless. Everybody say fearless. Uh, Just, uh, I love the title of this series. We know that God has called us to live a very um, confident life in Him, a fearless life. Yet many times um, as we're trying to do that, accomplish that, live the fearless life, we have moments where we are paralyzed by certain fears that sometimes are undiagnosed, undetected, and so we, we're not able to overcome them. Last week, we talked about the fear of rejection. A lot of people are addicted to the approval of people, and that can be a very um, tormenting thing when you allow people to dictate your every move, whether you trust God or believe God or do anything great in the kingdom, when you allow people to influence that. Uh, I think it was a great step in the right direction of living a fearless life. So uh, if you missed that message, let me say this first. How many of you were here last week and enjoyed that message? Okay. Some of you enjoyed it. Some of you like that. He aight. Now I know how it is. Um, I'm just playing with y'all. Amen. But today we're going to take it a step further. We're going to talk about the fear of failure. The fear of failure. Uh, I want to encourage you, if you missed last week, please go to the website, listen to it, subscribe to us on iTunes. There's a podcast there, or download the Bethesda app. Make sure you get caught up, and that message will not only help you, it'll help your friends, your family members, everybody connected to you. I want to start in 2 Timothy chapter number 1. Uh, that, this is just a key verse for the series. Uh, the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, and he says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I love this verse because we, we learn from it that fear doesn't come from God. When we are uh, dominated with fear, we need to know that fear involves torment and perfect love casts out fear, and fear never comes from God. The word fear here is translated in the Greek as the word timidity. Um, a lot of us, we, we don't realize what God is actually saying there. God has not given us the spirit of intimidation. Uh, a lot of people never do anything great because they are afraid to fail. They, they never accomplish anything. They never go to the next level because we're afraid of the what ifs. What if I don't succeed? What if it doesn't work out? What if the resources that I had planned for do not come in? What if, what if this child I'm working with doesn't turn out the way that I want them to turn out? There's so many what ifs that a lot of, a lot of times the what ifs keep us from ever doing anything from ever accomplishing anything. And the thing we have to understand is if we, we, if we are afraid to fail, we're never going to try anything significant. And I believe that today's going to be powerful for many of you. I believe that this is a moment God has brought you to this moment, and I'm going to be kind of the kick in the rear end to get you. He's going to use me as a mouthpiece to get you to move past the fear of failure into what God is speaking to you, what he's calling you to do. All of us, you have to understand, all of us have greatness that has been deposited on the inside of us. Paul said we have this treasure 
in an earthen vessel. Yes, we are made of dust, but how many know God breathed his life into us. And if the creator of the universe is now living on the inside of me, that means that I don't have to sit on the sidelines and watch everybody else live their life. I can live my life according to the purpose of God and do some amazing things if, if I will overcome this fear of failure. And so when God is calling you to do something, it, it, it will always require faith. And I think that's the part we struggle with because a lot of us, we are control freaks. And unless we can analyze it all, figure it all out, then we don't ever take a step. But God calls us to do things that requires faith. It's going to require trust. And so many people are sitting, and it was funny, first service, I got to this part and I said, you know, a lot of you are sitting on the sideline and God wants you to get up and get in the game. And it's the one Sunday I'm actually sitting while saying that, thinking maybe I should get up to say that point, Right. Um, but a lot of us, we are, we're sitting on the sideline, and I believe what the Holy Spirit is going to do, he's going to help you say yes to God, whatever that looks like. Even if I don't have all the answers, I'm going to say yes to God, yes to the ministry he's called me to, yes to the business he's called me to launch, yes to whatever God has put in my heart. See, the step of faith is often, I want you to get this, it's often a step of trust, and the control freaks really struggle here. Because we want to figure it out ourselves, and if we can't do it ourselves, we're not going to do it. But anything significant that God is speaking to you to do will require faith, and it will require trust. And if God doesn't show up to help you, it's not going to get done. And this is tough for a lot of us. I also believe that as you take this step of faith, not only is, is God going to help you, and, and you're going to be able to trust Him, but on the other side of that, the enemy of your soul, the devil, is going to come and he's going to speak to you the same things he spoke to Adam and Eve in the garden. When God had established a direction for Adam and Eve, what did Satan do? He showed up and he asked the question, has God really said? That, that's what he did. He showed up and said, has God really told you? He questioned what God had established as true. So anytime we take a step forward, you need to know the enemy will be there to whisper in your ear and say, you're not qualified, you're not good enough, don't you remember the last time you tried, you're a failure, and you will operate under a cloud of condemnation instead of living that fearless life. How many want to live a fearless life? Like, I, I know it, it sounds good, but we have to overcome some of these issues. We have to overcome being addicted to the opinions of people, we got to overcome the fear of failure. Now, with that being said, one of the first thoughts I want to give you is that everyone fears failure. Everyone. Everybody wants to succeed and at some level fears failing. All of us. But God has not given us a spirit of fear, right? We, he's not given us a spirit of intimidation. And when we talk about the fear of failure, we, we, we do that with the understanding that fear has a price tag to it. The fear of failure has a price tag to it. And I think Jesus illustrates it great in a parable that he gave. One of the parables in, in Matthew chapter number 25, Jesus gave this parable. He talked about a master who went away. And before he went away, he brought three guys in and 
he distributed talents to each one of them, right? He gave one man five talents, one man two talents, and another man one talent. And he said, I want you to handle business while I'm gone. Seems simple enough, right? Not that difficult. And so the master leaves, and the Bible says that the first guy with five talents, he doubled his talents. The guy with two talents doubled his talents, but there was one guy with one talent that did what? He went and buried his talent in the ground. The master came back, and the two guys who had doubled their talents said, look, what we've done, we took what you gave us, but we multiplied it. We gave it uh, the ability to increase, and the master was very pleased. But the one guy came to the master, and he says, here, I've got the talent you gave me, and I'm going to give it back to you. Look, here it is. It's almost like the guy says it with a sense of pride. Look, you, what you gave me, I am giving back to you. Look at this scripture. Matthew 25, here's how it unfolds. The man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, so I was afraid. I went out, hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. You can hear in this guy's voice a fear of failure. He, he was afraid to fail, afraid that he would not succeed. And he, he says this with a sense of pride. Here is what you gave me. And you would think the master would be like, that's great. Thank you for giving it back. I'm so glad you played it safe. I'm so glad you never took a risk. I'm so glad you never accomplished anything with it. He didn't say that at all. Look at what he says. He said, you wicked and lazy servant. And verse 28, I mean, this is so powerful. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. Give it to the one who doubled his. When I looked at that early this morning, I think sometimes we get jealous at people because they seem so blessed. And we look at their life and it's like God keeps adding to them and blessing them and promoting them and doors keep opening for them. And we sit on the sideline and we judge them for being blessed. Could it be that God sees something in them that you don't see? As you sit on the sideline and do nothing with what God has given you, they are multiplying their talents, increasing on what God has given them, and God says, I'll take from the person sitting on the sideline doing nothing, I'll take what they have, and I'll give it to the one who's already increased. See, we're not going to shout because our culture is, no, we've got to bring them back down, Pastor. We've got to bring them back down. But we need some people to rise. We need some people to go vertical, especially in the culture of West Virginia where we're 50th in every category financially and in obesity and everything else. We need some people that will rise above the rest and say, God, I'll multiply what you've given me. I'll increase on what you've entrusted to me. We need some people to be successful. But we got so many people that either fear failure or we got people that are going to judge success. My goodness, I'm going to have to stand. You can't preach like that and sit. We, we, we need some people. Y'all okay if I stand, right? You're like, well, I don't know why you're sitting. <laughs> Touch your neighbor and tell them, use it or lose it. Man, there's so many people not, 
not using what God has given them. Why? Fear of failure. Afraid. What if it don't work out? And the fear of failure paralyzed this one guy. And that which he guarded, that which he protected, he lost. All because of a fear of failure. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but instead power, love, and a sound mind. Not the spirit of intimidation, but power, love, and a sound mind. I heard a story about a guy who owned a lot of monkeys. You can laugh. Anyone who owns a lot of monkeys, let's just be, we'll be kind about it. They're probably unusual, right? (laughs) Or if they own a lot of cats. I'm just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Not really, but yeah, okay. I like dogs. Um, Anyway, back to the story. One day, he took four of his monkeys, he put them in a room, and put a giant stalk in the middle of this room. He put a bushel of bananas at the top of the stalk, and he did this for an experiment. He wanted to test something. And these four little monkeys were in the room, and one little monkey looked up, saw the bananas, and he shot up the stalk, only to be met with, unexpectedly, the owner of the four monkeys, spraying that monkey with cold water. The monkey came down, and another little monkey decided, well, I'll give it a try. Maybe he's out of water. Who knows? He climbs up the stalk, and he's also doused with water. The owner kept this process going. And after several failed attempts, all four monkeys detected it just wasn't worth the cost. It's not worth being sprayed with water to go get a banana. One day, the owner took one of the four monkeys out, and he brought a new monkey into the picture. The new monkey saw the bananas, and the new monkey started to scurry up the stalk, and immediately, the other three monkeys, guess what they did? They pulled him back down. They're they're thinking, you don't know the rules, right? Right? You're going to get drenched. You're going to get soaked. You're going to get sprayed. So the other three would pull that new monkey back down, and they continued this process until he had four new, he would insert one at a time until there was four new, and eventually it got to a place where all the monkeys were in there, even if they were new and didn't know the rules, and they still stayed on the ground and never went after the bananas, even though they didn't even know why. And so the point of of what I'm making with this story is that whenever you sense God speaking to you, when you sense God calling you to do something, you need to know it's going to take risk. Other people are going to try to talk you out of it. Sometimes it's going to be people that you love and respect trying to bring you back down that that will say things like, you're not qualified, you failed the last time, don't you know that you don't have what it takes, you don't have the giftings, you don't have the abilities, you're not able to do it. And I say all that to say this, don't allow someone else's failure or someone else's hesitation to make a monkey out of you. Yeah. Yeah. Don't let someone else's past keep you. What is it for you that you need to be doing? What business idea has God put in you that you should be moving on? What ministry has God put in your heart that you should be a part of? What, what, maybe some mom, you're here and you think, I'm going to homeschool. And then the devil says, well, your kids will turn out crazy if you teach them. 
You know what I'm talking about. Any, any, time, any time we think that God has spoken to us and we need to take a step of faith, we struggle. We, we allow this fear of failure for the men of God in this room. Maybe you've, you've decided, I'm going to be the spiritual leader of my house. And then the enemy shows up and says, what if you don't pray right? What if you don't know enough? Begins to question all these things about you. Some of us, we should be leading a small group this coming semester, this fall semester, but we will sit on the sidelines and not lead a small group because we're afraid to fail, and while we're afraid to fail, we have new believers who are, being, who are not able to be discipled because of our fear of failure. See, fear of failure, every one of us deals with it. And today, as we look into the Word of God, I believe God is going to give us three principles that will empower you to overcome the fear of failure. Number one, first point, you got to get this. Y'all going to love this. This is positive preaching. You will fail. Hit your neighbor and tell them, you will fail. You need to write that down. You need to get it in your heart. You will fail. But that shouldn't keep us in a place of fear. Unless you are Jesus, you're going to fail. Unless you never try anything, you're going to fail. And even at that, if you never try anything, you've already failed. And so you need, you, you need to know that we all fail. James 3, verse 2 says, We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. So James says we all stumble, we all fail. Unless we're Jesus, which he never failed, or we sit on the sideline, never try anything, we're, we, you know, we all fail. Now, I've taught you many times in the past that there are two great teachers in your life, and that is we're able to grow or, or learn from a teacher or mentor, okay, or we're able to grow and learn from failure. Now, I would love for about 90% of the time for you to grow and become who God has called you to be because you have surrounded yourself with teachers and mentors that have experience that you don't, that they are able to pass down wisdom to keep you from making so many mistakes. But the truth is, no matter how many mentors we have, how many teachers we have, how many people we have speaking into our life, we're all going to fail, and we need to be able to use our failure to help develop us. We need to learn from them, grow from them, so that we can become who God has called us to be. Everyone fails, and here's what I'll say about that. Allow yourself to feel the disappointment, but not the disapproval. Allow yourself to feel the disappointment. I'm not saying we walk around acting like we didn't fail when we did. Own it. I failed. You can, you can feel that disappointment, but don't ever live as if you are disapproved by God. Hit your neighbor and tell your neighbor, God still loves you. Wrong neighbor, find a new one. Come on, tell him, God still loves you. He still loves you. And, that, and that's so hard for us. So, so you failed at ministry. You failed at a job. You failed, 
you know, with your, your finances. You made a financial decision and it ended up being a terrible mistake. So you fail. You need to understand you're not the first person to fail and you're not going to be the last person to fail. You got to understand that failure does not identify me. We, we need to quit making failure be the thing that identifies us. We need to learn from that failure and grow and keep doing some great things from God, for God. We need to get up and pursue God no matter what we've been through. And so many of us, we don't. Once we fail, we quit. It's kind of like that kid you played basketball with growing up, and when he lost, he took his ball. We had kids in my holler. Yeah, I said holler. I'm from Logan County. We had a holler. And we played ball during the summer. We played ball from 9 o'clock in the morning till dark. And, man, we, we played football, baseball, basketball. But there was always some kids in the holler that if they lost, they went home. Oh, no, get back, get back here. I'm going to give it to you again, right? You got to have you, – you, I, I did have one friend, though, that he, he, he wasn't like that. You know, you beat him, he wanted to play again. You beat him, he wanted to play again. Dude, I beat you eight times. But he had it in his mind he would not go home until he won. How many of we need that kind of attitude? You need an attitude that says, I don't care if, if I fail, I'm going to get up and do something about it. It's like the prodigal son story. It's one of my favorite out of Luke 15. And, and the prodigal, we know that he took, and, and here's what's so interesting about the story. The father had worked hard, had saved all, the, all this up, had blessed this son and, and helped set him up in a way that he could start where the father had finished. And, and can you imagine all the time and the sweat and energy that went in to, to creating this, this big inheritance? And he gives it to the son. The son leaves, wastes the inheritance, and any father would be disappointed, right? If you'd worked that hard to provide a future for someone and they wasted it, you would be disappointed. I think the father in the story was disappointed, but he didn't want his son to feel disapproved. We know that from Scripture because the Bible says that when the prodigal came to his senses, he said this, there are hired servants in my father's house that have a better life than me. So I'm going to return to the father and ask him if he will make me a servant. What does the father do? The father sees him. The scripture, I love the Scripture says he saw him a long way off, and the father ran to him. Was the father disappointed? Absolutely. Was the father glad to see his son returning back? Absolutely. When the son said, restore me as a servant, the father said, no way, buddy. I'm not restoring you as a servant. You're still a son, even though you failed. I'm going to restore you not to a servant's position, but to a son's position. And somebody needs to know today that you failed, and that's all right. You're still a child of God. You're still here. You're still worshiping. You're still speaking the name of Jesus. And in though the devil will try to disapprove you, God has already placed his stamp of approval on your life. And it doesn't matter if you failed or not. You need to get up, dust yourself off, and realize God's got a new day, a new season, and a new beginning for you. Come on, somebody. You, you, if you're going, let's not patty cake. Let's give God a praise today. If you believe that. Now, I, I, here, here's the point. Failure is an event, not never a person. 
Man, that's not how we treat people, though. Failure is an event. Man, do you know how many times I've failed? If you were to label me based on my failures, I would not be standing holding a microphone. No way. Failure is always an event, never a person. See, not only will you fail, there will be times, and I want you to understand where I'm going with this, God will allow you to fail. That's about the reaction I thought I would get. God never fails, Pastor. He doesn't. But there are seasons he allows us to fail. I'm going to show you a story in just a minute to prove it. See, God, God will allow certain failures to come into our life. He, it's not that he causes it. He just, you know, says, okay, you do your thing, but I'm going to let you fail this time. I, I'm not going to rescue you before the failure. And we have a hard time with this because, before I say all that, Peter. Everybody say Peter. I mean, when you talk about failure, you have to mention Peter. He's known for greatness, boldness, preaching the gospel, thrown in jail, keep preaching the gospel. He's known for a lot of great things, but he's also known for failure. One of the most effective men who ever lived was Peter, but he's also associated with failure. And there was a a time when Jesus predicted that Peter would fail. He predicted it. Remember the story? He said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Now, let me say this about Peter. He was arrogant and cocky, a little full of himself. Because his response to Jesus was, um, everybody else will fail you, but I got you back. I'm your guy. Come on, I'm, I, I'm not, no way I'm going to walk out. I'm your guy. I, I got your back. I get nervous when somebody has to keep telling me they got my back. Like, years ago, that would be like, yeah, praise God, thank you. Now when somebody says, I got your back over and over, I'm a nervous wreck. <laughs> Some of those people say, I got your back, I got your back. They didn't have my back. And Peter said, I got your back no matter what happens. I'm here. Jesus said, hey, you need to know that Satan has requested permission to sift you as wheat, and it's going to happen. You know what Jesus was saying? I have given him permission to sift you. Thank Old Testament. Job, righteous man, stayed away from evil, always did the right thing, loved God more than everybody else in the world at that time. Satan shows up and says, hey, he's so blessed and loves you because he got all this wealth, all this blessing in his life. If you'll remove that hedge, that thing you got blocking me, then I think I could get him to turn on you. What did God do? He gave Satan permission to touch Job. You, know, you need to know any area that the Satan is able to touch you, it's because God has removed the hedge. Maybe he trusts you more than you trust yourself. He said you can do so much to him. And same with Peter. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you permission to sift him. And this is, this is so awesome. He tells Peter then, he said, all right, there's going to be a sifting. You're going to deny me. All this is going to happen. You're going to fail. But you need to know, Peter, I have already prayed for you. I know what's coming. 
And this is so awesome. He said, I didn't pray. He didn't say, Peter, I'm praying that you don't fail. If you look at it real close, the scripture says very clearly, he prayed specifically that Peter's faith wouldn't fail. He didn't pray that Peter wouldn't fail. He prayed that his faith wouldn't fail. Why? Because Jesus knew that Peter would fail. Jesus knew that you and I would fail, and I may fail, you may fail. All that is true, but if my faith is still intact, baby, I'm going to get back up. I may have failed. I may have fallen flat on my face. People may be talking about me, but Jesus has already prayed for me that my faith fail not. And as long as I got my faith, you need to know I can create a better tomorrow. I can't. But it's when people throw in their faith that their lives never change. It's when we give up on our faith, on our trust, on our confidence in God. See, Jesus loved Peter through the failure. Why is it when we fail, we think God no longer loves us? Why is it when we fail, we think God is no longer there? What Peter saw as a setback, God saw as a setup. God knew from the very beginning. He knew before Peter ever denied him. He, he knew before Peter denied him three times that I'm going to use this failure to help this man have a compassion for people like he's never had before. He's going to fail, but guess who it was on the day of Pentecost to preach one message and 3,000 people get saved? Peter. He had just denied him. He had just denied him, came through the failure, preaches, and 3,000 people give their life to Jesus. See, just because you fail at something does not mean you are a failure. It's part of growing. Romans chapter 5, verse 3, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they are good for us. Did I read that right? We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they are good for us. They help us learn to endure. I love that because trials, problems, setbacks, failure, all those things, if we will allow God to continue the process in us, they can all be good things. Hit your neighbor and say, God's not done with you yet. So number one, you will fail. Number two, you can overcome. You, by the, by the power of the Spirit, the Bible says by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, that we are made overcomers. Proverbs 24, 16 says, For though a righteous man falls seven times, he does what? He rises again. A righteous man is not righteous because he never does anything wrong or never fails. The righteous man is righteous because if he fails, he keeps getting back up. He doesn't quit. He doesn't throw in the towel. He doesn't say, you know what, I'm done. He gets up, pursues God again. It reminds me of a song from back in the mid-90s. Y'all going to get a kick out of this. Now, before I go any further, this song had a tagline in it. that It was one of those that just got stuck in your head. Y'all know those kind of songs? Like that line just keeps happening over and over. And, and I've got to ask a question. Can I trust y'all? What I'm really asking is, am I going to be judged 
for playing this song in church. Half of them, well, we'll just wait and see, Pastor. We'll wait and see. Some of y'all, like, I may not do it now. 8.30, let me do it. <laughs> now, I, I got a disclaimer. <laughs> we may need to pack the bags. All right, no, it's not that bad. Well, other than the whiskey and vodka parts. It really does. We cut all that out, but there's a line. It just reminded me of it. I, I just wanted to share this with you. You guys can hit it. If you know it, sing it. Where y'all at? Don't act that holy. I get knocked down, but but I get up again, right? Y'all can get it. See, that song says it all. I get knocked down. How many of y'all knew that song? How many of y'all sung that song? You just gave away your age, right? You're getting older. You're getting older. But there is a truth to that, that I get knocked down, but I continue to get up again. And I want to redefine failure. Let's redefine it. Now, I didn't give this to the guys for the screen, but I want you to hear this, write this down. In my life, Failure is the price that I pay on the road to God's success. I want you to get that. Failure is the price that I pay on the road to God's success. There's a story about a guy who had a pottery class, and every year he did this same experiment every single time. He would take half the class, and he would give them an allotted amount of time to produce as many pieces of pottery as possible. They could, they could flesh them out one after another, one after another, one after another. But the other half of the class, they were given the same amount of time to produce one piece of pottery. And what he learned and, what, and his point was in, in this experiment was that every single time the group that fleshed out nearly 100 pieces as fast as they could do it, always had at least 10, 12, 15 pieces of pottery that was better than the one this group spent the entire time on the one. And the class would ask every year, how is that possible? How can they produce them that fast and still end up with 10 or 12 that are better than the one we produced? And he says it's because you overanalyze. There is a fear of failure, and you are so worried about perfection that you, you're not able to overcome. And he said, this group, what they do, the first one, ugly, second one, ugly, third one, a little bit better, ugly. But eventually, they kept learning something as they produced piece after piece. They were learning something, and by the time they got to those last 10 or 15, they were, they were producing beautiful pieces of pottery better than the one that they spent all the time on. What, what's your point, Pastor? Some of you are so analytical, so afraid to get in there and mix it up, so afraid of failure that you're not able to produce anything. But if you would just get in the game, come on, hit your neighbor and say, mix it up, try something. Mix it up, try something. Don't stay on the sidelines. Get in there. Love people, love God, and exercise your faith. Doesn't matter what happens to you, 
It matters what happens in you. Man, I've learned some things through failure that I wouldn't trade for anything. How many of you, you can mess up and learn? You can mess up and grow. Galatians 6 and 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing well, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I'm going to ask the worship team to come help me land this as we do the last point. So point one is we all fail. Point two, um, what did we just talk about? (laughs) Overcoming, all right. Number three, you must take faith risk. Got to take some faith risk. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, without stepping outside of your comfort zone, it's impossible to be pleasing to God. You cannot play it safe and please God. It is, man, I'm telling you, let's drop a pin in here. We, we, we're, we play it safe. We don't want to take any risk. We don't want to put our confidence in, in God for something. So you cannot play it safe and please God. And let's get back to Peter for a moment. Y'all remember this story, and, I, and I've heard this preached a million different ways, but Y'all remember the story when Jesus came walking on the water and he looks at the disciples on the boat and it's almost like he's, he gave an invitation for somebody to come out on the water. And I've heard preacher after preacher talk about this story. And if, if you know the story, you know, Jesus walked on the water and then Peter said, man, look at Jesus. Lord, can I come out? And Peter gets out and he does what? Peter walks on the water. Now that point don't get preached nearly as much as, well, he got distracted. He took his eyes off Jesus and he fell and he got drenched. That's usually where we say, and, and, and preacher after preacher, have, has they've preached this and they, they want to preach it in a way to say that Peter failed. I want to preach it completely different. I don't care what you've heard. Peter didn't fail. I'll tell you who failed. The 11 jokers that stayed in the boat. That's who failed. None of them could say, hey, I walked on the water today. Even though he was back in the boat, drenched in water, maybe the other disciples laughed at him, said, what were you thinking? Peter was still able to declare a couple of things. Number one, today... I walked on the water, and when I did fall, guess who came and rescued me in his arms and put me back in the boat? I dare somebody to take a step of faith this year. I dare you to say, God, I refuse to stay in the boat. I refuse to sit on the sidelines and watch everybody else live their life. I'm going to take a step into my destiny. I don't have the answers. I don't know how it's going to work out. But if I fail, I know, Jesus, you will reach down and you will pick me up and you will make me secure. You are my strong tower. The righteous run in and they are saved. I dare somebody to give God the best praise. Come on, somebody. Woo! So much for a chair today. Stay standing. Stay standing. The other side, I want you to see this. Man, I just feel, the last few weeks, I have felt just a preaching anointing. Like, 
I want to kick something. Watch this. Greatest fear for a lot of people, failure. Greatest pain, regret. I want you to let that sink in. Don't just move past that right there. Greatest failure, greatest fear is failure. Greatest pain, regret. You never want to wake up one day and say, what could have been, what should have been, if I hadn't been afraid, what, what would God have done for me? What, how would it have changed my family or my church or my job or my own heart had I stepped out in faith and yet so many people come to the end of their life and they can't speak about faith things. They have to speak, speak about regret. I wish I had done this. I wish I would have put my confidence in God. And it's so important because when you get linked up with God and you're doing what he's told you to do, you got to hear this. Peter again, Acts 5. He's preaching, beat up, thrown in jail. They let him out. He preaches again, beat up, thrown in jail. And the Sanhedrin said this, we have to stop this man and his buddies. We got to stop them. But there was a wise Pharisee by the name of Gamaliel who stepped forward and he said this about Peter. Look, look at what he said. Acts 5. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men. You better leave Peter alone. Leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only fight, find yourself fighting against God. I want to tell somebody to step out of the boat. You may fall if it's in your own strength or your own thing, but you need to know even if you do, Jesus will pick you up. But listen, baby, if God told you to do it, I don't care what devil, what man, what family member comes against you, they will be fighting against God. Come on, somebody. Give God praise. Come on, give him praise today. Woo! Here's what I want to do. I want to throw a lifeline out today. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. Say, that crazy preacher is spit and he's sweat. But you may be here and you don't know Jesus. It's the reason why I get so excited and preach like it's the last time I'll ever preach. Because there may be one person here that don't know Jesus that's not in a relationship and you need to repent of your sin you need to ask Jesus into your heart he's about to give you a new life if that's you today I'm not going to embarrass you if you're watching online we'd love to pray for you as well but if that is you will you throw your hand up and say that's me pastor I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life I need to be forgiven today I need to be saved anyone at all anyone at all thank you for that hand in the back God bless you Thank you for that one online. God bless you. Anyone else? You say, that is me. Need to make Jesus the Lord of my life today. I'm stepping out of the boat. I'm stepping into a relationship with Jesus. Every voice lifted. Let's pray together with these two individuals. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Today, 
I'm repenting of my sins, and I'm turning to you, Jesus. I believe that you came, lived a sinless life, died in my place, and on the third day, you rose again. Today, I'm asking you to forgive me, to come into my heart, to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, celebrate those two individuals. Give God praise for them. I'm going to ask the prayer team and staff to come forward. If you need prayer, please don't leave without it. Maybe you failed and you need prayer for that reason. We would love to pray for you, but any need that you have, we would love to connect with you in prayer. God bless you. I hope you have an awesome, awesome day. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.